0: Amen and amen. How are we doing this morning, church? You doing good? Are you alive and well? Give me a shout if you're alive and well this morning. Come on, you can grab a seat and uh, you can say hello to the person next to you if you like. <laughs> if you want, you don't have to, okay? No offence taken. What a day. It's good to see the sun out. Um, yesterday was Pretty bad, right? The weather was was pretty pretty hectic, and so it's good to see sun on a on a Sunday morning. Uh, just by way of introduction, my name is my name is Aaron. I'm one of the pastors here at Connect Church, and um, my wife and my son, and obviously myself, we we come to to Connect Church. This is home for us. And uh, this morning, Noah, who's our three-year-old son, and I've got a couple of stories about him. He woke up and he went over to his mum Miranda, which is sitting over there. And he said, hey, Dad's speaking today on stage. And then he said to um, Miranda, he said, he's going to stand up on stage and say, thank you, Jesus. Amen. And so that's what I'm going to do today. i am finished my sermon. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And uh, it, was, it, was, it was pretty cool. But we've been coming to Kidney Church for, for a long time now. But I do want to say it doesn't matter if you've been coming for three days, three weeks, three months, three years or 30 years. What matters is that you're in church. Amen. Come on, let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word this morning. God, we pray that only you would be exalted in this place. Father, I pray you would use uh, me this morning, God, to speak your truth and to settle on hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, anyone wants it? Amen. amen. And amen. Well, church, there are, there are several accounts uh, in the Bible through stories where God instructs his people to go or to move. Or to get up. And when we read these stories in the Bible, there's, there's almost like a, a sense of excitement because it implies progress or it implies movement. To give you some examples, go up to Bethel and settle there. Go up. It also says, go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, or go up and take possession of the land I have given you. And church, it would certainly be fitting to share a word with you this morning about going or moving or getting up, especially since it's a new year, right? I mean, what better time to encourage movement or progress than that of a new year? Start off the new year with change. Start off the new year with different surroundings, or at a minimum, start off the year in a different position to where you were last year. And church, it would be good for... It would be a good time for such a sermon, but my question this morning is, what if you were to wait? What if God was calling you into a season of waiting or staying put? My last sermon was a couple of months ago here at Connect Church, and I talked about moving, and I talked about getting up. I was trying to encourage you to move, but today I want to flip that on its head, and I want to encourage you to Wait. I wanna encourage you to wait. You know, I, w- I went, applied for a job uh, a little while ago and I was a little bit unsettled in, in my work environment and, and for what a reason, whatever reason I'm still trying to work out today. But I went through this, this job interview and managed to, to progress through the interview stages and, and finally I was interviewed by uh, this person who, who would be my, my manager had I got the job. And we had a chat for about um, half an hour and, and so standard interview questions, I answered them what I thought was, was was good. And a couple of days later, I get the email. Okay, I get the email telling me that they don't want to progress with my, my application and all the best um, for, for future applications. But at the end of this email, there was something that caught my eye. And the person who interviewed me wanted to actually catch up with me for 15 minutes because they wanted to give me some feedback on the answers that I gave during my interview, and, and that doesn't normally happen, right? No, normally you get like a Dear John email, uh, all the best for your your, your, your future job applications, but, but that's it. But this guy was offering some feedback, and so I thought I'm going to take up the opportunity to receive some feedback, and so a couple of days later we caught up, 15 minutes, and this is what he said to me, Church. This guy who interviewed me said it feels like you're trying to run away from something. Wow. It, it feels like you, you're just trying to get out. Wow. And church, if I'm honest with you, I'm not normally lost for words, but this time I was lost for words. I didn't know what to say, and as I, as I thought about it, I knew in my heart that God was speaking to my stubbornness. God was speaking right through my desire for control. As I thought it about it a little bit more, I realized that that this guy is onto something. That I've been doing all I can to try and get out of my job. I'm doing all I can to run from something. And and how many can relate to the desire to want to run or the desire to want to get out? When we're in amongst undesirable situations, and what I've learned, church, is that in my seasons of waiting or in our seasons of waiting, the tendency to want out, to run away, can actually be detrimental to our faith or our Christian walk because we become so focused and consumed with control and comfort that we be- we begin to prepare how we're going to exit. When sometimes God's actually just saying, I need you to prepare to wait. What I've also learned, church, is that while waiting might be the right thing to do, while God might be calling you or me into a season of waiting, my very definition of waiting is completely different to that of a biblical sense. And so like moving... Waiting is a central theme that is wired throughout the Bible. And for most of those accounts, during these times, during these seasons of waiting, God's building character and he's stretching people's faith. We know that God knew Abraham and Sarah needed decades, decades, to learn that God was enough and that he deserves their trust. He knew Joseph needed years of sitting in prison and cycling through suffering to learn humility and forgiveness. He knew Moses needed 40 years as a country shepherd before he could even shepherd God's people, just like Joshua needed 40 years helping Moses to learn leadership and courage. We know even Jesus waited, right? He waited for his disciples. He waited for the crowds. He waited for his parents. He waited for his crucifixion. And and also, church, Jesus is still waiting today. And yet while all of these people waited, there was one thing in common. They encountered God. There was an encounter with the almighty God. And maybe when you think of waiting, perhaps you think of waiting in a line right perhaps you think of waiting for your coffee and sometimes it takes longer than two minutes and you get a bit angry if you live in Waikanae, maybe you're thinking about waiting for the bridge (laughs) to be done okay waiting in a in a in a worldly sense implies that time is wasting or that it's, it, it's, there's some sense of inactivity or, or being stagnant. You see, we're not full of joy when we have to wait longer than we need to. And I think it's driven from this culture of immediate gratification, right? Yeah, yeah. We want it. We want it now. Give me the bridge now. Yeah. You know, ma- many people want change, but we're not willing to go through the process of, of waiting you know Miranda and I have have done our fair share of waiting in our lives we We waited to have um, noah we, we waited for four years, just to be clear we didn't wait we were, we were trying we were doing all we could do, but uh, God made us us wait and so it was it was a four year period before we actually uh, had Noah. We call him our miracle child and and here's the thing during that time of waiting during those four years, I, I thought my job was to wait on God to do something. Okay, I was I thought my job was to wait on God to fix something or to heal something or to resolve something, but but it was not. You see God's not often wanting to do something for us, but he's wanting to do something through us. And it's in these times of waiting where he's building our character and he's stretching our faith, and God doesn't make us wait for no reason. Right, He doesn't make us wait for no reason. He doesn't say, I'm a little bit busy now, so you're just going to have to wait. No, there's always a reason for our waiting season. And, and in that four years of waiting, that's exactly what was happening. He was building character. He was building faith. And he was stretching us. But if I'm honest with you, church, gosh, it was painful. <laughs> month after month, negative tests. After negative tests, people around us would, would have kids. And we would go, congratulations. <laughs> but we were going through our season of, of waiting. I remember I shared a word at, at the New Life Conference in 2019. So a little while ago, the month was October. Okay, so it was the 10th month. Keep that in the back of your, your mind. And I was due to, to, to stand up and share a word for, for seven minutes. Okay, and so on the the, the build-up to conference, I prepared the seven-minute sermon that I would share in one of the sessions. And on the opening night of conference, um, the guest speaker actually prophesied over over couples that they would they, for, for couples who were struggling to have kids that they would have um, kids. And I remember being in that session, and I remember saying to God, God, you're an all-powerful God. There are potentially hundreds of people here who are having that. That, that struggle, but I'm also going to claim that. I'm going to believe that over my life. And so the next day, or that night, sorry, I just felt God say to me, you're going to put that seven-minute prepared, uh, prepared sermon to the side, and I want you to speak on following me. And in that session when I spoke, all I said was, God, I'm struggling, I'm tired, I'm hurting, but at the end of the day, I will worship you in spirit and in truth. That was October, the tenth month, three month, three months later, in January of 2020. Miranda falls pregnant. She carries Noah for nine months. And we've got a little monkey who was sitting in the front row here even today. You see, God was teaching me to, 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 to let it go and to not be so consumed with control and to put it in his hands talk about character building talk about faith building and and sometimes when you make it through these seasons of waiting how often do we look back and we think how did i get through that how did i get through the four years trying for kids how did i get through that season of waiting and i'll tell you how church it's through his grace i think god gives us the right amount of grace to take step or to take day by day. We often say that God is never late, but I would say he's never early too. Why? Because he uses times of waiting to stretch our faith in him and to bring about change and to bring about growth in our lives. So what I want to do this morning is I want us to unpack this, this biblical view of waiting, And we've got some unpacking to to do this morning. And maybe you're new to church or maybe you're new to the Bible. Um, Just for a bit of context, the Bible was not written in English. Okay, It was written in different languages. And so what has happened over the years is translators have attempted to translate that into other languages like English and, and other languages. And so what sometimes happens is that you come across a word in the Bible and you do a bit of a word study and you think to yourself... How on earth did they translate it into that word? Okay? And waiting is one of those words. In Hebrew, there are two meanings to the word wait. And these are absolutely critical to understand the waiting season that you might be in even today. Now, one of those, one of those meanings of the word wait in a figurative sense is to whirl and dance. Have you ever whirled and danced before? I bet you don't whirl and dance when you're waiting for your coffee. <laughs> or do you? I don't know. I don't know. But a key word there is is whirl, a- and that means to to twist or to bind together. And it's likened to that of a rope. Okay, when you think about a rope, the strands are. Are bound together, they're, wa- they're, they're bound together so tightly to, to make that rope as strong as possible. And of course, dance is generally joyful and it involves graceful movement. Okay, when, when there is dance, there is generally a sense of happiness. But how many know that dancing requires a certain level of focus? Dancing requires a certain level of focus. Let me give you an e- example. when. Miranda and I were preparing for our wedding day. We decided to take dance lessons. She, just, she needed them, not me, just to be clear, okay? And, and if there's anyone here who went to our wedding and thought, man, those two are good at dancing, the cat is out of the bag, okay? We did dance lessons for, for four weeks and, and, and we went on this journey to, to try and learn the tango. Now, the, the, the funny thing is, is that when it actually came to the wedding night, I forgot all the moves, okay? Because I was focused on one thing and one thing only. We'll talk about that in a second. But, 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 but we forgot the moves. Anyway, we, we did dance lessons for four weeks. And if you've ever done the tango before or any type of dancing, it requires you to focus. When I hurl Miranda up in the air... I've got to be focused on how and when I catch her. I can't be thinking about the closure of the Waikanae Bridge when she's <laughs> up in the air, okay? I can't be thinking about the bills that we need to pay when she's up in the air. I need to be focused as, I'm, or as we are dancing because how many know that if I think about other things, she's going to fall and there's going to be no wedding day, Okay? <laughs> When I spin her around, I've got to be focused on when I go in and try and meet up with her because if I don't focus, I'm going to get a whack to my head. And church, it was incredible how the instructor would pick up on when I would lose focus. She got a bit annoying, to be honest, because we were dancing and she would yell out from the side of the room and she would say, Aaron, stand up straight. Or or, Aaron keep focus stop losing concentration because she knew when i would lose focus because maybe we weren't dancing properly or we were slouching or whatever it is but she knew when i was losing focus but our first meaning back to the word now is that it is to to wait is to dance where there is a sense of being bound tightly okay and bound tightly to what Of course, that means God, bound tightly to God, and to do so requires a high degree of focus. Okay, so that's meaning number one. This type of waiting is used in in, um, Isaiah 40 verses 31, and it might come up on the screen there, but it says, for those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. How are you waiting on the Lord Today they shall mount up with wings like eagles, and they shall run and not be weary, they shall walk and not faint. Doesn't that put it into perspective? We're not waiting for, for time to pass, we're waiting with purpose. This type of waiting is, is often used through the Psalms as well. To give you an example, Psalms twenty seven fourteen wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Psalm 37:34. wait on the Lord and keep his way, and he shall exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you shall see it. That's meaning number one. Meaning number two is at the other end of the spectrum, okay? And that is, church, the figurative meaning of the word wait, the second one, is to give birth, Or to writhe in pain. Now, church, I don't have much to say about the amount of pain when a woman gives birth. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) But all I can say is that I've been in the room. I've been in the room, and that is enough for me to know that it is not a painless Ordeal. Okay, this form of wait that is likened to giving birth or to writhing in pain is used in Psalms 37 verse 7, where it says, "Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him." Now, not only do we have to experience pain in the wait, but He wants us to do so patiently. It's also used in Genesis 8 verses 10. It's talking about Noah here. It says, he waited seven more days and again sent out the dove from the ark. Here is a thought, church. In that delivery room, the woman is focused on one thing and one thing only. Now, she is not focused on, you guessed it, the Waikanae Bridge. Okay? (laughs) She is not focused about the bills that need paying that night. She is focused on one thing, and that is getting that child out. Here's where it starts to get interesting, church. So if you are in a season of waiting, we know that it can feel like you're dancing, or we know that it can feel like you're in pain, but it is not inactivity. Church, it is not a waste of time. But here's the other thing. It is not you trying to escape. It is not you trying to gain control of your situations. And whether you are waiting in pain or whether you are waiting in joy, one thing that is true across both of those meanings is that you need to be focused. Not focused on your surroundings. Not focused on anything that's going on around you, but focusing on Him and him alone. Lock in on him. Church, there's a sense of refined focus. Now, if you've ever ridden a bike down steep hills, one thing that you need to know is that you need to look up. Okay, you need to look up. Why? Because where you look is where you go. If I'm riding out with someone and they are looking down, I will say, look up. Because when you look down, you start to lose control and you get a bit wild. Okay, so I say look up because that is where you go. And in the same way, church, we need to look up because that is where we need to be. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I took Noah fishing, okay? And and I know nothing about fishing. So, so I don't know if it's meant to be low tide, mid tide, or high tide. I don't even know if mid tide is a thing, okay? But all I know is that Noah was excited about fishing because during the day, I had hyped Noah up about fishing, okay? He was psyched. And all he wanted to do was to go fish that day. So we drove to Ultaki to Beach and we parked up and we were jumped out of the car, got all our gear, and we were going to look for the perfect fishing spot. And as we were walking towards the perfect fishing spot, one thing that occurred to me is that there was no one around. And there was one guy who was a little bit further down. The beach and I thought we'll go towards that way. And so as we were walking down towards that way, this guy had a bucket, and so I did a sneaky look in the bucket and I noticed he had no fish in the bucket. (laughs) And so that's okay. Noah's focused. He's psyched about fishing. So we continue walking along the beach. We park up, we get out our gear, and I taught Noah how to cast his rod. Okay. So he's we're standing on the shore, no one around, the closest guy is fifty meters that way, and Noah starts to cast his line out. And I kid you not, his line goes out about Two or three meters in front of him, and it hits some rocks. There is no fish there. Okay, there is not even a crab there. But that's okay. That didn't matter to him. There was no one around, but that's okay. That didn't matter to him. The closest person had no fish in their bucket, but that's okay. That didn't matter to Noah. You see, Noah was so focused on one thing. And one thing only. He was focused on trying to catch a fish. So focused, in fact, that the surroundings didn't matter to him. But they mattered to me. The surroundings mattered to me. I focused on the surroundings. I wanted to change things. I wanted to move spot. I wanted to cast the line out a little bit further. I wanted to try a different hook. But Noah... Had the biggest grin on his face and he was focused only on one thing and that was fishing. And in the same way, church, how often do we focus on our surroundings? How often do we focus on our surroundings trying to figure out how we can we can change things when actually we, we just need to focus on him? You know, in your in your season of Waiting, are you Are you looking around, trying to figure out who's around? Are you looking around, trying to see in someone else's bucket whether they have more or less with you, or less than you? Refined focus. When we recognize that we're waiting with a refined focus on him, we're not unproductive. We're not unproductive. In Micah chapter 7, verses 7, it says, Therefore I will look to the Lord, and I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Powerful. What what I've learned is that it doesn't matter whether you're waiting in joy or whether you're waiting in pain. What matters is that you are focused on him and that you are focused on the right thing. Because waiting for, for a child for, for four years, it's painful and it's tough, but it's okay because I'm focused on him. I'm in a job that's so unsettling, but, but, but that's okay because I'm focused on him. Yeah. I've been called to a season of waiting, maybe in a painful season of waiting, but, but that's okay because I'm focused on him. If you are in him, that is your best place. That is your best place if you are in him. doesn't matter what you're going through. If you are in him, in him you are in your best place. You know the battle is not ours to fight. The battle was not ours to fight. So why are we trying to battle through seasons of waiting, trying to change our situations where sometimes God just wants us to put it in his hands? To take it off our own shoulders and say, God, it's yours. All I can do is worship you in spirit and in truth. And Maybe we could get the keys up as I share a couple more thoughts with you. You, you know, waiting on, on the Lord means learning to have a, a single and a consistent focus on God. It's the source of life. We know that God is holy. He is just. He is sovereign. He is good. He's righteous. He's merciful, gracious. He's loving. He's all-powerful, all-knowing. He's all-wise. He's infinite. He's truth. And He's eternal. Now, David wrote in the Psalms, My soul waits in silence for God only. There is content And waiting. From him is my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be greatly shaken. You know, we need to learn how to wait and recognize that God is working through a season of waiting. And we might look at our life situation and see nothing more than a a barren field or a struggling business or a fruitless tree, but God sees more because God sees beginning to end. We see a single season. Let me leave you with a final thought. Noah is at the age now where he's starting to communicate with us from the other side of the house okay so, so he's yelling at us while he's in the lounge and Miranda and I are in the kitchen and occasionally you'll hear I'm thirsty or get me my drink bottle or hungry and not only is that hard to hear it's very difficult to understand so what we're trying to teach Noah now is to come close and to speak directly. Maybe in our season of waiting, maybe we need to get close. Maybe in our season of waiting, we need to speak directly to Him. Stand still and adjust the perception of your situation because, church, you are in good hands Amen Amen. Come on would you bow your heads let me pray this morning Father we just we just thank you God for who you are God we thank you for for what you've done and God as you you call us into different seasons God if we're in a season of waiting Father we just want to have a Refined focus on you. God, in these seasons of waiting, we know that it can be like that of dancing or to be in pain, but Father, that doesn't matter because we want to be fixed on you and you alone. And so God, help us this morning. God, if we're meant to wait, Father, I pray you would make it clear to us and Father, through this all, there's only one thing and one thing only that matters, and that is you. We thank you that we're in your hands. We thank you that we're in the best hands. We thank you that we're in good hands. And maybe you're here this morning, church. Keep your heads bowed and eyes closed. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't know God. Maybe you don't know Jesus. I've been talking about fixing our eyes and being hyper-focused on God and you might be here this morning and going, well, I don't have a relationship with God and I want to say, church, today can be your day. Maybe today there's a knock on your heart. Maybe today there is that knock on your heart to say, follow me. Make me Lord and Saviour of your life. And I want to give, give everyone an opportunity to say yes to Jesus this morning. And by saying yes, you you are saying that Jesus is Lord in your life. And that you are, you are wanting to, to follow him. So if that's you this morning on the calendar, I want you to get you to put your hand up nice and high so we can pray for you. One, Jesus loves you. Two, this will be the best decision you'll ever make. Three, if you want to say yes to Jesus this morning, would you put your hand up and we'll pray for you. Cool, I see that hand to the left. Thank you. Over to the right, thank you. Church, why don't you repeat after me? Thank you, Jesus, for who you are. I thank you that you went to the cross for my sins. Today I choose to follow you. Would you lead me? Would you guide me? Would you become Lord of all? I commit my life to you, and I choose to follow in your ways in all the days of my life, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen, amen. Come on church, can we put our hands together? Let's make some noise for those who said yes to Jesus this morning, and it is a good day. Uh, if you did say yes, and you did put up your hand, there will be a pastor down the back who will have a have a Bible for you. Uh, we would love to chat to you, so hang around. Let's have a chat, and, um, and, and let's connect. Before I close off the service, there's a couple of things Um, that I do want to say, remember, this is the last of our summer service times, okay? So do not turn up at 10, otherwise you will turn up mid-service, okay? Remember, there are two options for the the service times as of next week. Uh, Today, also, hang around for the sausage sizzle. If you think you can go on the bouncy castle, have fun on the bouncy castle. Otherwise, stay off and enjoy waiting in line for your coffee and having a chat about the Waikanae Bridge. Let me, let me pronounce a blessing over you. There is going to be a prayer team over to my right, your left, if you need prayer this morning. But would you stand? Would you hold your hands out like this if you feel comfortable as I pronounce a blessing over you this morning? It says, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen and amen. All right, church, the service is over. Have a fantastic week, and we'll see you again next week.